protest in the gallery and in the park. Democratic leaders arrested. But abortion restrictions advance to the House. I know women and girls across the state of Florida will die. They will not be able to get the health care that they need. 77 yeas, 35 nays, Mr. Speaker. Show the bill passes. The House expands limits on sex ed. Some defying their voters or their party. We do this to get schools focused on exactly what it is that they should do. When I thought it couldn't get worse, this bill seems to make it worse. I think it's been uh, used uh, in the administrative apparatus of universities to try to impose not diversity of thought, but to try to impose uniformity of thought. Diversity, equity, inclusion. And we want to make sure that it's productive so students can actually become productive members of our society and citizens of Florida and not be indoctrinated by a point of view at the expense of the taxpayers. Critical progress or political indoctrination? Americans don't want the government telling professors what they can and cannot teach. It is un-American. The big news of the week, all live this week in South Florida. Good Sunday morning. I'm Glenna Milberg. Thank you for sharing this hour as you celebrate what is meaningful to you today. We have a lot going on here. Now less than a month to go in the lawmaking session. You can feel the tension turning up this week. Case in point, the Senate vote on the bill that includes more restrictive rules on terminating a pregnancy. People protesting from the gallery prompted the Senate president to stop down and clear the seats before the vote. And afterwards, in a peaceful sit-in type protest outside Tallahassee City Hall, police moved in to arrest 11 people, including the chair of Florida's Democratic Party, Nikki Freed, and the Senate Minority Leader, Lauren Book, who had just cast a no vote on the bill whose title is now changed to Heartbeat Protection Act. Senator Lauren Book is with us today live. So grateful you chose an hour away from your family just to be with us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So um, just to, in the interest of kind of a little segue, let me let me start with that name change on the bill. Heartbeat Protection Act, now the name going forward. It used to be pregnancy and parental support. There's both of those things in the bill. What do you think, Senator Book, that telegraphs? Look, I think that this is virtue signaling. They're playing, they're using religion and politics uh, to move forward an agenda and that is extremely dangerous for women girls um, and people across the state of florida we know that there is no heartbeat at six weeks um, implying so really does try to elicit an emotional response to something um, and at the end of the day we know that women across the state of florida we've heard about the situation in texas are suffering greatly for it wanted pregnancies aren't being able to get um, some of the true appropriate health care that they need because of the on that past last year and more women and girls will suffer because of what is happening now. You know, you bring up something really interesting. I, I want to talk about the arrest also, but I just what, something you just said really, um, it's a very interesting sort of popular opinion poll. People in Florida, by and large, do not favor such restrictive restrictions on abortion. And yet in the legislature, your colleagues do by a large majority favor that. Where do you think that disconnect is? 
Look, I think that we have it has been very clear the governor is running for president and the legislature is doing a lot to make sure that he attains that goal. Um, I have heard from the other side of the aisle folks who did not necessarily support or appreciate a six week ban, but went along to get along. And again, women and girls will suffer from it. Actually, 75% of Floridians don't believe that this is good, smart or safe policy. They wanna talk about people using abortion as a means for birth control when we know that isn't that isn't the case. This is going to step in the way of women receiving true and appropriate health care. Abortion is health care. I know of two women in my district alone who had very wanted, wanted pregnancies. And guess what? No pregnancy, as you know, Glenna, is alike and had some really serious complications and they needed to take the pregnancy after 15 weeks, but they weren't allowed. So what did these women have to do? Go home to develop sepsis to get the care that they need. That's third world. That is not appropriate. That is not in line with the values of Floridians. This is wrong and it's going to get worse. This is one of those, you know, we talk a, a lot about this issue, this debate, and in the past two sessions, the bills that had come up, we talk a lot about it on this program. And it just seems that this is one of those things. There is no daylight in the debate whatsoever. There is no compromise. The opposition is very faith-based. Um, there really is... When, when you believe something in that faith-based way, you are adamant and steadfast in those principles. And I think that's what you're seeing now coming out of Florida's legislature. So this is um, number two of the restriction, restrictive bills. Last session, we saw some arrests. Actually, it was after midnight in the gallery after the vote. Uh, it was a House vote then, arrests for trespassing in the Capitol. This time outside the Capitol, you, Nikki Freed, were among 11 arrested in what was not an outburst, a, a sit-in, a peaceful protest in the park outside of City Hall. And we're watching some of that video right now on Monday night. Was this, um, was this kind of by design? Because this got a lot more attention than the actual sit-in. And you did say you were gonna fight. Was this, was this what you were hoping? No, uh, I, here's one thing I've learned. Uh, I've never gotten in trouble in my life, never gotten a detention. You wear different shoes when you're going to go to a situation like this. Um, no, but here's, let, let's be very, very clear. My position on abortion choice has always been clear. My fight has always been clear. Um, and as you know me, I'm not the person who's gonna sit on the other side of a barricade when women are literally putting themselves on the line. Um, you know, there was a, 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 a press conference at 7.30. We were there um, along with Senator Berman and we're, we're talking to the folks who had been there um, throughout the week, um, advocate or the day, I guess it's been a very long week on Monday. Um, and it became very, very clear that things were escalating. Um, and I sat with these women. I, bared, I was bearing witness, listening to their stories. Um, my sister came up. This is very personal to women. I, you know, people say, don't make it so personal. This is politics. There is nothing, nothing more personal, more in who and what we are as women with a, when it comes to right to choose, to decide what happens to our body. When it, when you are, everything is being taken from you. I mean, we're seeing now in Texas with the ruling on Friday, banning in seven days the use of meprithazone, one of the number one medications for medical abortions. They are coming, they are coming for women. Women and girls will die. And I was not gonna stand idly by and sit and let other folks just take up the mantle. I am a part of this collective and will do everything I can as the minority leader in the Florida Senate. I, 
we have always talked about showing up differently and doing the work and meeting people where they are. And this was not a time to abandon ship or leave women um, women alone. So to, to your point, this is, you know, Tallahassee police, we, um, we reached out, Tallahassee police said it was a closed space after uh, sundown and they did issue warnings before the arrest. W watching the video, I mean, there were, I looked, appeared to be more officers than arrestees. So, you know, there, there was clearly a mindful sort of status of cameras watching. Um, you know, some of your opponents pointed out that you fundraised after the arrests, when, but so did President Trump after his indictment. So that that is a thing, I guess, in politics. But there is, does this show like a turning point of Florida Democrats who are so vastly outnumbered that you really can't get what you want this session. Is this a turning point in, in strategy? I want to be really clear. I didn't fundraise after this occurred um, because that would be completely, totally illegal. Um, perhaps uh, the chair did. Yes, uh, yes, she did. Thank you for that clarification. Thank you. I just want to make sure we were, I was clarifying. Um, uh, look, I was there to bear witness and sit alongside these women. I think things are different. I think things are changing. We're not stopping bad policy um, the way we used to um, because we don't have the numbers. Um, but I do think and I do see that people are fighting back um, and we as a collective we've talked a lot about our caucus fighting differently holding people accountable calling out the hypocrisy where we find it um, one of my colleagues Senator Pizzo has been on the show a lot personally suing the governor calling for that accountability we all every single one of us all 12 um, we call ourselves the dirty dozen work extra extremely hard to meet our constituents where they are and just because the the right has their edict as it were from from their you know dear leader and their constituents we do too and we represent our constituents the best that we can and sometimes our numbers aren't there but we're going to continue to do the work each and every day so that their voices are heard so in florida and i really you know each of those conservative members who are voting have constituencies and and I, I have to think that you know I know a lot of them not all of them I know everybody from South Florida and all seem to be very mindful of serving their constituencies so again I want to sort of pose that question again where do you think the the breakdown is between what popular opinion might be on this subject and popular opinion within the Capitol this session you know, I think that people tend to forget where they come from when they come to Tallahassee and they live in this fishbowl of what is important. And, you know, everyday people are focused on getting food on the table, getting their kids to school on time, making sure they can pay for their property insurance, pay the rent, pay the mortgage, and live their day-to-day -day lives. A lot of people don't even know what's happening in Tallahassee, but it's still happening. And your rights are still being stripped away, whether it's this abortion issue or the union busting issue or the, the extreme tort reform bill that blocks access to the courts. These things are still coming down the pike. They're still happening. And people just need to be aware a little bit of what's happening to hold their members of the legislature accountable. I mean, the same day that the governor quietly signed the permitless carry bill, making sure that you don't need documents to receive a deadly weapon, we were passing or they were passing off the floor a bill where women who are survivors of rape and incest need to provide documents to get an abortion. What world are we living in? 
on that note, I want to thank you so much and the pups behind you for, Sorry. for joining us. No problem whatsoever. It's great to have you. And I know as this all uh, comes to pass in the next month, we hope you will come back. We will. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. And when we come back, we are bringing in the debate to South Florida lawmakers and the biggest bills of the week next. with us regularly, you know we host as many of our South Florida lawmakers as possible to hear from them, examine their positions and their votes for you, especially on the more controversial bills percolating through the process this week. With us today, two South Florida state reps from either side of the aisle who cast opposing votes this week on several big bills. Marie Woodson, Democrat representing Southwest Broward's communities. Fabian Basabe is a Republican repping coastal communities from Golden Beach to South Beach, and it is so great to have you both with us. Good morning, great to be here. Thanks, happy. and happy Good morning, Easter. Glenna. Good morning. So Thanks for having us. Of course. So last segment, we were talking to Senator Lauren Book about the abortion bill. I, I just want to start with that, since it's a nice segue. It passed the Senate, and it is headed right toward you in the House. Um, how will you vote on that? Let's start with, uh, let's start with tenure. Rep Woodson, how will you vote on that bill? Good morning, Glenna. Happy Easter to everyone who celebrate and happy Passover to those who celebrate Passover. Um, this bill, Glenna, I voted against the bill. And I voted for a lot of reasons which we are going to get into very soon. And uh, Rep. Masabe, I'm, I'm uh, Fabian. Can we go first names here? It's just a lot easier for everybody, right. and since we mm -hmm. all know each other. Um, so when it gets to the House, in the Senate, two of your uh, Republican colleagues did vote no, one being Alexis Kaladiud from Miami, uh, voted against part, what would be party lines. How will you vote on this abortion bill, and why? So I agree with Senator Book um, that this is a lot of politics, because I think, and, and Rep. Woodson, you might um, agree, no, no Republican or no member of the majority, or for the House that matters, spent more time with Planned Parenthood and worked harder on this to give women a choice, because it's what I campaigned on. I believe in respectful choices. I went to Planned Parenthood, and they, they came to me with a proposal of the numbers, actually, that the majority of abortions in the history of Florida have been in the first trimester. Only less than 3% happen after that trimester, and those are usually in the exceptions category. They had some exceptions that were not obstacles. They were very reasonable. I took this proposal to different members on the Democrat side, including the minority leader. I tried to get them to kind of work with us. In order to get anything done, in order to show respect for life, in order to accomplish anything, we have to work together and come to some respectful middle ground. How do you? How are you going to vote on this? That's that's to be seen on the floor because I still have a lot to say on this subject. I am not happy with where we're at. I okay. Respectful choices. I respect women. I, I am I'm disgusted that we're negotiating life like this. Um, politics is it is is just gone too far. Um, and, and, and yet, that is that is where we are in Tallahassee at the moment. But there's a lot that people don't know because they're not there, so they don't see the conversations that we have on the sidelines. You know, um, the private meetings I've had, and I've crossed party lines 
daily. And, and Brett Woodson, please confirm that because you and I have spent some time and, and this is a yes. really important issue. And I, I'm, I'm going to do what I think is best to represent my district in this and to make sure that I expose the people that are willing to work together and those that are not willing to work together. Rep Woodson, you had, you had something to say. Yes, Glenna, and I would say Rep Basabi and I, we had several conversations about this bill actually. When it comes to restricting women's right to make decisions for their own self, I have a major issue for that. We have, women have so much more to deal with. And one thing that I'm about, we, when we say choice, we need to mean choice. A woman has to decide what best for her, it's a decision between her, her husband, or her partner, her doctors, or her family. We should not interfere in that conversation at all. And this is where I stand. This is what I said. And we can try to come together to have some exceptions in the bill, but the whole thing is about giving women the right to make decisions for themselves. If we're talking about choice, let them have the choice that they see fit, especially in a subject that is so important, that is so crit critical. No woman would want to be faced in such uh, with a situation as such. Fabian, uh, Rep. Asabe, there, there is, um, it, this bill is coming to you with a new name, uh, the Heartbeat Protection Bill. There are your colleagues who very much believe that there is a heartbeat at six weeks in a fetus. Science, uh, science says otherwise, that science calls it an electronic blip. Uh, what do you believe? I believe in respect for life. I believe that if you don't believe in choices for people that you don't agree with, that you don't believe in freedom, I am I am really taking this issue so deep to heart. Um, I'm, I'm not happy with where we're at. So you're uh, undecided. Is it correct to say you are undecided at the moment? I am. I am still. I am still weighing my thoughts on this, and I will make a statement on the House floor. Okay, um, well, let's talk about the education bill that's coming up. This is an expansion for, just to bring everyone up to speed, this is an expansion of the parental rights bill from last session, now law. Uh, this is the one opponents call Don't Say Gay. A lot of people know it that way, but in essence, what it does, it's expanding the sex education guidelines to eighth graders. It also addresses what pronouns a teacher can use with students, and it gives parents more of a specified process to challenge books and before I ask you on your vote I want you just to listen to in the house this week Michelle Rayner Goolsby Democrat from St. Petersburg a little piece of her floor speech to her constituents when alienating parents and children who have LGBTQ families who by the way we all serve in this house when one of my colleagues, Rep. Nixon, was crying out for her child, her pleas fell on deaf ears. Her rights as a parent are not even taken into consideration in this bill. And in fact, there was laughter from the front rows as she was crying out for her child. Members, I would submit to you, you can never fully prepare for your life being dismissed. So this did pass the House, 77 to 35. You both voted with your parties. Fabian Basabe, you represent your constituency, one of the largest LGBTQ communities in Florida, and you voted for the bill. That was a, a very fine line for you. Explain that. Well, I think it's important to mention that the original bill had some lines that I was not comfortable with. 
um, while I did my homework and I understood where they got that language, they were basically mimicking language from the Miami-Dade School Board memos. Um, lines 97 to 101 worse gave interpretation to be targeting of a community that I support and that I love and that I live among. And um, I rewrote those lines. Those lines do not exist anymore. I worked a lot with the sponsor of this bill to make sure that this bill represents exactly what it's meant to do, which is to keep the focus on our education of the classroom at hand, improve our literacy rates. This does not, this bill does not tell people that they cannot be humans and have the important discussions that are necessary. What it does do is it let people know that if you don't feel that you are qualified, you may have the option to not discuss this at those times. At the same time, I'd like to bring a lot of resources back because I don't think that we have people that are equipped to handle people that are struggling with identity issues. I wanna know that we have uh, counselors with a master's in child psychology, a master's in early child development available in our communities. We don't have that right now. And I'm gonna work very hard to make that happen. We have people that are struggling and the misinterpretation of this bill is dangerous. The suicide rates in our youth right now in the last few years are, are rivaled with numbers from the Great Depression. This is not okay. The disinformation is hurting our children. There has it's been a lot of, Rep Woodson, there's been a lot of a lot of criticism, just like uh, Rep Basabe is, is saying that there is just disinformation about this bill. This is not a don't say gay that never says that in the bill. What's your opposition to it? Thank you, Glenna. Let, let's unpack this bill. Let's just unpack it a little bit, Glenna. This bill is about a child who wants to use a pronoun and cannot use that pronoun, or the teacher cannot use the pronoun as requested by the child. An example, if I want to be called, if I'm a teacher, I want to be called Mrs. Woodson in the classroom. A child, of course, going to call me Mrs. Woodson. So what's the difference with a child requesting to use her pronoun? or the parent come in to request that. We have to respect children, just like we ask children to respect us, and we have to respect parents well as well. As far as teachers being in the classrooms, right? Teachers are in there to teach. Teachers went to school to teach. For us to tell teachers what they can use, what they cannot use, what they can say, what they cannot say, come on, that's the will, that's what's in the bill. That's what a lot of people are talking about, the chilling effect. I know I, I see um, there's going to be more, but I have to take a very quick break. So in a couple of minutes, we will come back and pick this up again. Stay tuned. with South Florida lawmakers, South Florida representatives Fabian Basabe, Republican from the coastal communities, and Rep. Marie Woodson, Democrat from Southwest Broward. We, uh, I'd rather go deep than go wide, so I want to stick for the last couple of minutes we have together with this education bill. Uh, Marie Woodson, you were saying um, you're hearing the fears of people who are in the education system who might have a chilling effect, but Rep. Basabe, Fabian Basabe, what is the practical effects of this bill do you think this will have? Are the fears well-founded or, or misplaced or somewhere in between? They are not well-founded. We have a responsibility as adults to interpret these laws in the best interest of our children and our communities, period. These advocacy groups that are misinterpreting these for political agendas all get federal grants 
This is a business for everybody, and they need to be held liable because they're hurting our children. Uh, explain this that, if you would. What, 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 um, what grants to what organizations? What do you mean by that? Uh, you have organizations like uh, Equality Florida, Save. A lot of these people, have, you know, the, the boards are consistently of rich white men, but they all tap into federal grant money for each letter of the alphabet, alphabet that they market. So you notice they keep adding letters to that. But that's besides the point. They, they have a responsibility to our community to do what's in the best interest of protecting our children and giving them the resources they need. These investments, instead of on these campaigns and disinformation, these resources need to be applied to what will make these children get the help that they need for the struggles that they're facing today. There is actually in this bill, bill there, um, there is actually money for those things. Rep Woodson, what, what do you the think? Money never goes where it's Senator, to. If I may add that the original bill was very, very confusing and vague. Everybody's interpreting certain things in the bill differently, which create a lot of confusion for, for the teachers. Ourselves as legislators, we had some questions and the questions were, were not answered properly for everybody to get a clear understanding of what needs to be done. By, by you, whom? Who, do you, who did not answer those questions? The bill sponsors? The bill sponsors. Some of the questions, the answers were very, very vague, which create a lot of confusions. If we as legislators are confused, what do we expect the people out there to do? Teachers are confused about what they need to do. Some areas, they're removing books, they're removing stick stickers that used to tell kids that they are safe in the school that they are in. So it's creating a lot, the bill is creating a lot of confusion. And you know who is paying the consequences? Our kids are paying the consequences and also the parents who feel that they are disrespected. I have parents reaching out to me to my district telling me how disrespectful this is because this is their kids and they think their kids, their kids are feeling like they are refugees in their own country by the way they feel like their kids are being treated. Now, I am from, you know, I am from Haiti. I know what it feels like to feel like you don't belong. And this is what this bill is doing to a lot of our kids, making them feel that they don't belong. And this is not what we should be in the business of, of doing. I got elected to help people, to make sure that I can stand up for the people and help them to get better, to do better, not for them to feel worse than before I was in office. So we, all of us as legislators, this is what we should be doing, not creating more confusion. You and I rarely disagree on, we rarely disagree. And I really, I really cherish our friendship. Like I said before, the interpretation of the adults, we have a responsibility to interpret in the best interest of our children. This bill, and I've spent time with the sponsor, it does not say that pronouns cannot be addressed on campus. It says that if you're not comfortable or understanding how, you also may not. We need to put the focus back on education. Actually, let me, let me just uh, clarify something. What the bill says about pronouns is teachers may not use the pronouns of student choice. Teachers must use pronouns of birth gender. That, that's what's in the bill. This is an issue that drives me crazy in legislation. This stuff is like Shakespearean English. It's hard to understand. Welcome to the legislature. <laughs> it may not, not must not. It does not say must not. It says may not. And that is to alleviate people who may not understand. Because so isn't that, let me just, to, to your point, isn't, isn't this kind of vagary and isn't this kind of sort of vague language and, and language difficult to interpret or kind of subjective. Isn't this the whole issue with this particular bill, however good or bad it may be? 
It's the issue with a lot of our legislation right now, which has given birth to, to this theater where both sides have grown so big, they don't even need to work across the aisles anymore. They can just sell tickets to their prospective theaters and, and stay in business. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to work together. I'm trying to get this correct messaging around. I've made some great friendships up there. We've, we're getting a lot done. You know, 97% of the stuff that gets passed up there is passed with the, you know, uncontested support from I, I just want to um, amplify that and it's true and on news programs in this program we hash out those that are the differences but there are very 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 many bills and I know Marie Woodson you have dozens of them who are actually going through in a bipartisan way and um, and I appreciate this bipartisan kind of conversation this morning I know it goes quick and you will both be back I hope thanks so much yeah, and I support my people colleague are, Lena. People people are, I work with them whenever we can work together and we all try our best to do that but there are certain pieces of legislation that we cannot we have we try our best to do it but we have to understood. come together. that that's yeah. where we come in understood all right happy easter to you both easter thank you for thank giving you us so much thank Lena. You. happy easter to you and have your family as well thank thanks. you so much happy easter Basabi. see you tomorrow <laughs> see you. bye bye thanks take care bye bye all right up next, diversity, equity, and inclusion in higher education in the crosshairs. A view from that front row seat when we come back. and inclusion are words that were considered goal-worthy and critical to a community. This lawmaking session, though, those three words headline higher education programs now in the crosshairs of the governor and supporting lawmakers who consider what they call DEI political indoctrination, divisive and discriminatory. Of course you want diversity, you think like diversity of viewpoints, right? We want to have robust debate, um, inclusion, making sure that people from different walks of life are able uh, to participate. Uh, but I think in reality, what it's been is anything but those things. I think it's been uh, used uh, in the administrative apparatus of universities to try to impose not diversity of thought, but to try to impose uniformity of thought. Uh, and instead of inclusion, the people that dissent from this orthodoxy um, are actually excluded and marginalized. That was the governor at his roundtable last month, the same day the House took up legislation targeting DEI funding, departments, and curriculum in the state's public universities. Late Friday night, faculty and students from the University of Miami, a private institution, posted a letter with almost a thousand signatures opposing what is House Bill 999. Scott Evans is UM faculty member in the School of Education and Development, and Martha Schoolman is a faculty member in the English Department of Florida International University, South Florida's preeminent state public university, very much affected by these bills. Good afternoon to you both, and thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. So, Scott, let me talk um, a little bit about this letter by so many faculty and students at UM <laughs> unaffected really by what might be a new law coming down the pike, why? Well, primarily uh, we want to stand in solidarity with our public colleagues uh, and students. Um, many of us at University of Miami uh, work directly with colleagues. For example, I have research grants and, and projects in partnership <laughs> with folks from University of Central Florida, FIU. Um, and so we feel like we need to uh, use our voice as best we can to, to support folks, even though we may not be, as you said, directly affected, although I do think there are some risks at hand. 
Martha Schoolman, um, so glad that you are joining us because truthfully, a lot of public educators that we've been inviting for the past few weeks declined our invitation, including uh, the <laughs> vice chair of the board of trustees at FIU, which we're going to hear from in just a, a moment. Um, what? Why did diversity, equity, and inclusion become so negative? Um, well, I'd, I'd like to just back up a little bit and talk about the, the bill that's under consideration, which is called HB 999, and that's that was also the uh, framing of the UM faculty letter in support of us, uh, because that bill is aiming to radically reorganize the state universities in a way that uh, kind of um, undermines two of the main pillars of uh, higher education, I would say. One is um, academic freedom and the other one is peer review. And so, and those two things are really key to what we do in a university. Academic freedom means students and faculty are, are free to pursue ideas and discuss them freely. And HB 999 uh, actually takes certain topics off the table for free discussion and uh, attempts to uh, cancel certain majors that students are currently uh, studying right now. And the other one is uh, peer review, which is the idea that uh, universities are so diverse, we have so many faculty members, we have so many fields of expertise that we uh, need to be evaluated by our own peers and people who actually know, understand our research and that goes for our teaching and for our uh, and for our research for things like tenure evaluations, yeah, and HB nine 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 means to give we, hang hand that over to political appointees. Yes, and so we that, will we will discuss picture. that. We will discuss yeah. that in in a little okay. bit of detail as well. But okay. I just I, I want to because we have no one from the other mm -hmm. side here. I want to make sure okay. that that is <laughs> yeah. important in mm -hmm. this program for that to be mm -hmm. um, discussed and and put out there, and what. Okay proponents of this bill would say to your point mm -hmm. about freedom in education is that mm -hmm. DEI started out all well-intentioned and these are mm -hmm. these are their words that I have read right. and spoken to them about but has gone well what the governor said gone off the rails because it actually mm -hmm. prevents freedom and prevents diversity mm -hmm. in a free way putting thumbs on the scale um, and so um, Scott Evans what, what would be your reaction to that well, and thanks to Martha for kind of highlighting the elements of the bill and, and the attacks on academic freedom and peer review. Um, you know, uh, academic freedom and peer review actually help uh, kind of make sure that what we're what we're delivering, what we're teaching, what we're talking about in higher ed um, is subject to scrutiny. That's part of the uh, academic mm -hmm. freedom process and shared governance um, so that we have the ability to speak back to um, uh, you know, content or issues that may be, um, uh, you know, challenging uh, in some ways. And I think that, that that's a good thing. This, the, the conditions are already in place in, in higher ed institutions to um, kind of check and balance things already. We don't need the political interference. So um, with the word political in mind, I want to play at the roundtable that we talked about in this toss. The governor invited several people to make his case. It was his production, his staging, his topics, his guests. And one of the guests was the vice chair of FIU uh, Board of Trustees, Roger Tovar. Um, and he was there at the invitation of the governor. And the governor posed an interesting question. And I want you to listen to the question and answer. Um, and then we'll come back and talk about it. 
I mean, there's the spending issue, but then there's the also the issue of using the machinery of the of the university to promote uh, basically left wing political activism. Uh, Governor, that's not been the experience uh, that I've encountered at FIU, but I. But anything that is mentioned to us is something that we want to look into and understand. And, and if we have that type of activity going on, uh, we need to explore it. Martha, Schoolman, clearly mm -hmm. the vice chair is walking a very fine line in the political yes. world for a public <laughs> university yeah. that accepts and needs mm -hmm. state funding. What do you right. make of his response? I mean, it's inter it's interesting in a few ways, right? Because I mean, the boards of trustees are political appointees, and so one of the interesting thing and um, Governor DeSantis is known for, you know, um, uh, his fairly harsh treatment of people who disagree with him. So he can't disagree with DeSantis, especially strongly. Um, but I think there there are a couple things there. One is that um, the DEI. Um, uh, or the, the sort of current framing of DEI was only ordered by the um, by the big board of governors, so not the FIE board of trustees, but the State University System Board of Governors in 2020. And so they're treating it like it's some monster that's gotten out of hand where they just established these programs like a year ago, you know, in the middle of the pandemic. So it's a little bit strange that it was a state mandate that's suddenly been decide that's um, suddenly deemed politically toxic. So I think it's just kind of short-term political thinking more than some kind of uh, crisis that's actually happening in the university. Because if those of you who are familiar with FIU, and I believe you're um, uh, a graduate, Glenna, the FIU is already very diverse. It has students from all walks of life, of different ages, different um, interests. And so diversity is the kind of founding principle of FIU and there there have there are and there have been programs for our, all of our 50 years to uh, help students starting at the university from different places to feel included to be part of the community and so I think this current attack on diversity equity inclusion three nice words uh, are more of a kind of uh, just current political positioning than any kind of response to something that's really happening or something that's really uh, negative in our in our institutions. So let um let me take a, a quick break. We'll we'll be gone for two minutes. When we come back, I want to talk about that faculty tenure, if you would. Stay tuned. Martha Schoolman from FIU, Scott Evans from UM, uh, public school, a private school, both uh, in opposition to House Bill 999, diversity, equity, and inclusion rules. Um, Scott Evans, part of this bill that we were talking about allows the schools, universities, board of trustees, public schools, to request reviews of the tenure of professors and faculty um, can, how does that change? Can they not already, or is, is tenure on the table here? It's most certainly on the table. Um, and, you know, I think, there, like I said before, there are already uh, systems in place uh, for review of, um, of the performance and the products of, of faculty in, in higher education institutions. This removes the, the peer review element that Martha was talking about before and places that control 
and people just don't have um, the expertise, frankly, uh, to be weighing in on these matters. Um, and tenure as a system protects academic freedom. Um, it, what, uh, it, what, it's what affords faculty the ability to speak freely, uh, to have tenure and to be able to speak freely, but also those without tenure should be afforded um, academic freedom as well. So Martha Schoolman, we know what is happening at New College in Sarasota. Headlines mm -hmm. for anyone that uh, that is not aware, the um, the governor and state lawmakers literally took it over and replaced the administration. Um, also gave it a lot of money and is apparently reworking uh, this liberal arts college into a more conservative college. So mm -hmm. watching that happen. The governor, lawmakers, they have the power to do that. Voters gave them that mm -hmm. power to do that. Mm -hmm. um, what does that tell you? Does that forecast anything to you about your public university? Well, I, I mean, it does appear that HB 999 is trying to lay the groundwork to do that within a university. Um, I mean, I think the reason they started with New College is that it's very small, right? So you can make big, big changes with a couple of personnel alterations, and FIU is a much larger institution. But I think it does forecast what they want to be able to do because, as again, as I pointed out, Board of Trustees members are political appointees. And the idea of tenure, and this is in our union collective bargaining agreement, and if you look up the definition of academic freedom anywhere, it will tell you this, that you should be able to do your job without fear of political reprisal. And that is the, we're in an atmosphere now of political rep reprisal. That's why a, a lot of my colleagues are worried about talking publicly about this. That's why the board of trustees member that you quoted is so um, uh, tentative about expressing an opinion. And I think the people of Miami, the people of, of South Florida are not going to be happy with the results if we have a university where suddenly the protections of tenure and the rights of free inquiry are suddenly suspended and kind of um, or chilled by this kind of fear. I think we're already starting to see uh, professors you know, who feel like they have to change what they teach or change their the titles of their courses. Um, and I think that's not what our parents want. That's not what this, that's certainly not what the students want. And I think it's not going to help FIU in the long run because FIU, like all of the Florida public schools have been leaping up the rankings lately. We've been doing really well. And I'm not really sure what the motivation is to uh, kind of throw that all away on this experiment of uh, politicizing all of our work. Scott Evans, in the 30 seconds we have left, is the administration of University of Miami taking a position? Uh, I can't speak for the administration. Uh, all I know Have you spoke as to you, anyone? Uh, have they talked to you about that? We have, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm not uh, willing to talk about how they feel about it right here um, on the camera. I can tell you I'm here representing uh, the American Association of University Professor Chapter at the University of Miami and speaking as a faculty member myself. Um, and the uh, thousand or so folks who signed the letter um, were concerned in standing together with our public colleagues. Scott Evans, Martha Schoolman. Very much appreciate that you felt good enough to come and speak publicly about all this, and I hope you'll keep in touch with us. Thank you. And we will be right back.
watch today's interviews or listen to the This Week in South Florida podcast, scan this QR code with your phone and it takes you right to the This Week in South Florida section of Local10.com. And you know you are a big part of this program, so connect really easily on social media. Easy to find and follow and reach out at Glenna WPLG, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We thank you so much for being here with us this hour. Happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. Remember, keep in touch.